Today is the second week in this mini-series, in our bigger series of Ephesians. We're talking about cleaning houses. And this is week two, where we're talking about honoring God in family. You can open up your Bible to Ephesians chapter 6 if you have one with you. If you don't, I encourage you to bring it. Because, as I, I, I'll tell you, I will never yell at anybody if they choose to underline or make a little note, as long as it's a good note in our pew Bibles. But it's even better to do that in your own Bibles that you take home with you. And it's great for you to have your own Bible so you get that physical memory of where to find what you need in God's Word. I see people shaking their heads, yes, and thank you for agreeing with me. Um, we're, we're, we're going to also have the scripture up here on the screen, but I do encourage you to open up in God's Word in front of you as well because that will disappear at times. If I seem a little energetic today, I'm sorry, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the lack of sleep. Um, but I'm just excited to be here with you this morning. As I said, we are in week two of cleaning house. And some of us need to consider cleaning our houses. Now, I'm not talking about physically picking up the broom, going home, helping your wife or your husband, because some of, some of your husbands do it. Now, maybe we should do that. But I'm talking, metaphorically speaking, we need to clean up our lives. We need to consider our relationships, our marriages, our children, our parenting, and those whom God has placed us over. We need to consider how do we honor God in all these relationships. And again, metaphorically speaking about our houses, we need to consider what needs picked up, what needs cleaned up, what needs mended, sewed back together, glued back together, duct taped, and fixed the great thing is when we invite God to help us in that process of cleaning these houses, fixing these things, it's not just duct tape that might fall off. God makes us new again. It is possible God makes us new again. I think of my driver's side seat in my Tahoe. Oh, praise God, I'm the only one who ever sits in that and drives. Because when I got this four years ago, five years ago, how long it's been, the driver's side leather seat was ripped. Now, you guys all know that. You have cars that the seats rip. And I thought, you know, I'll just put some duct tape on it. I'll get some tan duct tape. It'll blend in. It never blends in, does it? And then after a while, you're, that duct tape it starts to roll a little bit. It gets, it gets colors dye from your gene, and then it sticks out even more. And now today, it's like starting to fall off. But the damage is already done. Um, but here's the great thing. Again, when we invite God in our houses to help us pick up, clean up, mend it, glue it, tape it, it's not going to roll back up as long as we keep him as the duct tape, him as the one that's holding it together because he makes it like new. Well, we still struggle, sure, because we live in a sinful world. But as long as we keep him there, he'll be with us every step of the way. Praise the Lord. Last week, I was up here and we were looking at our marriages it was not last week. Last week, we had Pastor Chuck, the Youth Sunday. Thank you, Youth. Thank you, Chuck, for doing that. But the week before, we were looking to our marriages. We were looking to our husband and wife responsibilities to one another. And ultimately, what it came down to is learning about our sacrificial submission and sacrificial love. We both have sacrifices to make. And I just want to say also, praise God, we're moving on from that because that was a hard sermon to preach. I had some things to learn Today, we talk about honoring God in family. We talk about our children. We talk about parenting. And the big idea today is this. 
Christian households are filled with honor and discipleship. Maybe you need to add a two in there. Christian households are to be filled with honor and discipleship. And then the bigger idea I put down, this is a greater idea. This is what we're going to see throughout this message. And what you should be seeing in your own lives is that we are to value and compassionately care for one another with Christ-centered examples of living and instruction in the Lord. Now, yes, we need to do this for everybody. Value and compassionately care for one another with Christ-centered examples of living and instruction in the Lord. Whether they're Christians or non-Christians, no matter what their relation is, their age, their sex, their color, their background, whoever they are, they need to see Christ-centered examples of living and instruction from God's Word. But today we focus on children. We focus on parenting. And apparently in this context of Ephesians chapter 6, Paul knew that this was necessary. That's why he includes it in this letter. Also note, I want to, I want to note two things about this, this section. First, note, he's not just addressing boys. He doesn't say, boys, honor your father and mother. He says children. I think that's important to notice. And we'll talk about that for a few reasons. But first of all, I want to note, I may be surprised about that because maybe because I'm a boy, I think all boys are the evil ones. Boy, oh boy, did I pull those strings with my mom and dad. Every single rule they gave me, I wanted to break. And I can just think of countless examples. One example I've shared with you before when my parents said no to the ice cream truck. That's probably one of the, the earliest memories I remember of just pure disobedience. And they said no to the ice cream truck. And I knew where my mom's wallet was. So I went and got that $20 bill and went myself. And boy, did my bottom get red afterwards. Did I get in trouble? Today, we're talking not just about boys, though, even though boys can get in trouble. We're talking about boys and girls, children, because all of us have a part to play in this. And then also notice it says fathers. Fathers are addressed specifically today as well because fathers specifically needed instruction in this day and age. But even though we notice father, I want to give you a note. This can be applied to both fathers and mothers as parents. There's things we all need to do. There are just specific things happening in this day and age. And that's why Paul addresses fathers. You see, in this day and age, a lot of fathers were checked out or they were involved, but they might have been abusive or ruling over their household harshly. A lot of fathers today also check out or they're abusive and ruling over households harshly as well. Again, Paul knew parenting advice was needed for these people for, of, of Ephesus and the surrounding areas, so he includes this, and we're able to learn from it today as well. It was said of this day and age that many in the Greco-Roman world would, would put kids on the trash heaps for people to pick up and often turn them into gladiators, slaves, or prostitutes. But here in this day and age, we had a change. We had a transition, a radical transition, where the church was starting to step up to the plate. They were starting to metaphorically also clean house, and they started caring for these kids. They, and here Paul is telling all this Ephesus area to turn away from this, and here is how you parent. We'll talk more about this in this message today. But John Stott noted, famous John Stott, author, pastor, 
He says it was a radical change from the callous cruelty which prevailed in the Roman Empire in which unwanted babies were abandoned, weak and deformed ones were killed, and even healthy children were regarded by many as a nuisance and simply a possession to get rid of. We as Christ followers, we as the church today need to step up, clean our houses, not just our houses, but our neighbors' houses, our communities' houses, our government houses, this country, this world. And we need to show proper care, proper value of our children. Because we understand that the creation of life is a work of God. We understand that parents, therefore, have a holy calling to be the primary disciple makers and to value the sanctity of life. And we must value and care for them in a God-honoring way, a way which is a reflection of God's love for us. What does it mean to care for them? Well, Bonhoeffer answered this saying, it is from God that parents receive their children, and it is to God that they in turn ought to lead them. What a great purpose. What a great quote there. We are to lead our children to God. Another pastor said, there is no greater joy and responsibility than to be entrusted with these little munchkins. And it's like they come with a time stamp. Yours for a limited time only. He says, they are like wet cement. We have a short time to teach and mold them. Friends, we must appreciate this time and use it wisely. We must show them Jesus. I have the great blessing of being a father, but sometimes it gets hard. Sometimes it's hard being a child as well as some of you are children. There's a few of you in here. Some of you are teenagers. Some of you struggle and you think, what, why are you talking to them? Talk to me. I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time. Sometimes we don't know what to do. Sometimes we need a little help. Sometimes we need some advice. You know, it has been said that the hardest thing about being a parent or a child is knowing what to do. Here's the thing, everybody wants to tell us what to do, but are they guiding us in the right direction? I want to show you a short video clip here and then talk about it. And then I have a short follow-up video clip this morning as an illustration. So please give your attention to the screen here. Okay, mom and dad, be time to play Guess the Baby Food. This is so going to get you ready to be a parent. Uh, that's a fun game, but let's get real. Break it down, honey. These games are really funny. The food is really runny. But here is what it's really gonna be like, honey. We couldn't be happier. It's a great new chapter. But this cute thing's gonna act like a velociraptor. I know you have some questions. We have a few suggestions. So buckle up or go on faster. Comes your baby lesson. Lesson one. for changing. Yeah, I know. Probably the thing you're dreading most. Because poop is so gross, right? Well, I got a little revelation. The poop isn't the worst part for your information. The worst part when you take up that diaper they wear. The little one is going to feel some refreshing air. And there will be a powerful stream that you discover. So lesson one, when you take the diaper off, use a cover. Lesson two. Getting older now. The baby was here. Now he's there. You don't know how. Your baby proofed the house, but she's still on the loose. She went and stole every single pair of your shoes. You try to feed her, but she doesn't like it a chair but she will eat anything you put down there so lesson two if she's fussy and won't eat no more i don't know maybe just feed her straight off the floor don't judge me it works and when your baby is starving you're gonna get on the floor 
Listen, please. This one, here's the present that we brought. Is this a Silverado? No, it is not. You see, we spend thousands of dollars every year on toys we think are really cool. But look here, our daughter's favorite gift when she was one year old was a box full of remote controls. Yeah, no matter how much your toy rocks, your baby would rather play with this here box. So lesson three, believe me, you'll save a lot of cash. Wrap it up and give them something that you found in the trash. Lesson four. Now you're in the weeds, and a moment of peace and quiet is all you need. But let us warn you, when you listen and don't hear a sound, there is something terrible going down. We heard silence. We never heard it before. We found her climbing onto the dishwasher door. It got quiet. We knew that he was being naughty. We found him trying to drink water out the potty. So when it's calm, you know something bad's unfolding. Lesson number four, silence is not golden. Lesson five. Any good news here? I know you're probably asking. Well, you're going to get good at multitasking. When cooking dinner, one hand will have to be enough while using your feet to wipe the floor and clean up stuff. But if you're patient and you get them past the early days, there'll be a time when they're helping out in many ways. The day that our kids learn to help clean the place, I think I saw tears of joy running down her face. Lesson five, don't give up. The future is bright. At the end of the tunnel, there is still a light. Look, we've been at this parenting thing for 10 years now, and frankly, you never stop learning. That's why we've teamed up with Protective Life to help get your attention. Parenting is hard, we get it, and so do they. Here's the point to that video. Parenting is hard, and they get it, and so do we. But, but as much as I love that video, and I think it's funny, it gives us some funny things to laugh about, maybe it gives you some memories. I have roughly a six-week-old baby at home right now, and let me tell you, as much as I thought about not showing this video just because of the little sprinkling from the refreshing air when changing the diaper, I thought, no, that is truth right there. And I've been reminded about these things, but, but here's the problem. We have so much advice given to us about these physical things, and we make parenting a joke at times. But parenting is something to be taken seriously. Being a child is something to be taken seriously. How we honor God in these relationships are to be taken seriously. And I want to show you just one more video clip to kind of transition to this idea about how important our lives are as we lead our children. And yes, I'm mostly talking to parents today, but we are after this going to have some points to the kids because I think it mainly comes down to our responsibility as parents and how we raise our children. But first, take a listen to this. And Connor, you may need to turn the sound up on this one. I'll act like I don't have any problems. I'll need you to show me how to share my struggles with others. I want to have a lot of money so I can buy what I want. I'll need you to teach me that my things belong to God. That my things belong to God. I'll struggle with my looks and appearance. I'll need you to remind me that God wonderfully made me. I'll tend to think about myself before others. I'll need you to teach me that the last will become first. The last will become first. The last will become first. I'll think I'm a lot smarter than I actually am. I'll think I'm a lot smarter than I actually am. I'll need you to show me how to learn from God's wisdom. I'll want to avoid hard conversations. I'll want to avoid hard conversations. I'll need you to show me how to speak the truth <coughs> in love. In love. I'll look for happiness in many different places. I'll need you to show me that joy is found in following Christ. I'll find myself stuck in bad habits. I'll need you to show me the way out. I'll need you to show me the way out. I'll need you. I'll need you. I'll need you. I'll need you. To point me toward Christ when no one else will. To point me toward Christ when no one else will. 
As you can see and as you just heard, our children need us. Now, maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, but Pastor Patrick, this doesn't apply to me. I might as well walk out the door right now because I don't have children. Or maybe you think, well, I'm already a grandparent or I'm older or I don't even have grandkids. We all can minister to children around us. They need us. Now, if you notice something different about that video clip, though, that illustration, it shows us more than just joking. It shows us more than just the physical help that kids need, but there's also emotional help that kids need, mental help God's kids needs, and there's eternal spiritual help that kids need need. But sometimes we're so focused on the the temporary and personal needs that we forget the lifelong and eternal spiritual needs. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We need to be making sure that as we are children or as we are adults and parents or ministering, mentoring kids, that we are bringing them up, bringing them up in the knowledge of the Lord. Now, maybe you're also thinking that, that this, is, this is not news to me. I know this and I'm doing this. Well, then great. Find somebody else who you can help, that you can come alongside because we need to partner together. Was this news, news to you? Then make a change. Was it not news to you? Then great, acknowledge it and make a difference. But let's look to God's word now. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 to 4, if you're following along in your own Bibles, it says this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, and notice the parentheses here. It says this is the first commandment with a promise. It's pointing us back to the Old Testament to acknowledge this is part of those ten commandments. This is part of God's law. Honor your father and mother. But also it gives this great little side note too as well. It's with a promise. With a promise comes this command. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Verse 4 then goes on and says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now here in Ephesians chapter 6, 1 to 4, Paul is urging proper, fundamental relationships between father, mother, son, daughter, children, our families. Parents, we must be the ones to nurture our children in a way that shows children how they are to do their part. You see, I think that this scripture, if you notice, it actually has three verses talking about the children. But don't take away the importance of that one verse saying, fathers, Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Because we're the ones that's supposed to show them how to do their part. Now also note, we're going to start talking about kids first. Kids, children, but we are all kids. We're all children. We're all children of God and we all are children to somebody. And no matter how old you are, we can learn some things from here. So God's word first says, and I have four points for the children here, which is all of us. God's word says, children, obey your parents and Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. The first thing that's paraphrasing, paraphrasing summarizing a little bit. It says four things, honor, obey in the Lord, and this is right. Those are the four things I want to focus on. You can see the scripture underneath there. But starting with honor, children, kids, all of us, 
we are to honor our fathers and our mothers. And this means more than just in physical things. It's not obedience here, it's honor. Honor is not just an outward showing, but it's also an inward showing. It's showing great respect for somebody. Honor is not simply an outward thing with obedience, but an inward feeling of respect. And one, one just physical illustration for this would be, would be for kids to show your parents how you act to them. When they tell you to do something, do we huff? Do we puff? Do we argue? Do we pout? Do we talk back? Do we debate it? That was me growing up. I wanted to debate every little thing. But no, we're supposed to honor and obey in the Lord. This is right. We please our parents, and as we please our parents in honor, we also please God. Honor here also means to adhere to what is right. As you honor somebody, you adhere to what is right, and you fulfill an obligation. You keep an agreement. So an illustration to that would be you're going to honor a contract that is in place with somebody. Honoring means you, you live up to your word. Number two, we're going to move forward. Every one of these points just kind of intertwined with each other. Honor and obey. We obey our parents out of a sense of honor and respect for them and their wishes. We honor them by obeying them in every way that they command, except if it causes harm or if it causes us to sin. Now, now there is a difference here. Obviously, adult children... When you're on your own, when you grow up, when you turn 18, when you move out on your own, you got to start making your own choices and you got to also live with the consequences. But still, don't devalue the knowledge that your parents have to give you. To obey parents is to also honor and obey and please God. Colossians 3.20 says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. This pleases the Lord. As we obey our parents, we please God. And then moving on, we move on to that next point that Ephesians 6 says, in the Lord. Now, what does this mean that we do this in the Lord? It means that we do it as if to the Lord because it really is to God. But it also means to do it because it's part of God's design. And then finally, to obey in the Lord means that our obedience is part of our Christian obedience to God. Children, all of us. Now, finally, why do we honor and obey? Why? That's the question all kids want to ask, whether they say it physically, whether they say physically at the wrong moment and your father, your mother slaps you. I've had that happen. Well, why, Dad? I don't want to do this. Get put in your place. Because it is right. Remember that, that last one, it is right. It helps you for your daily living. I put, to not obey and honor places you in dangerous living conditions, physically, mentally, and spiritually. God has a plan and a purpose for giving us these instructions. And that's why he even reminds us of the Ten Commandments there in the commandment, which says to honor and obey your father and your mother. And it says, that there is a lasting impact that happens. As we read here, it says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the purpose that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. There is obviously good blessings that come to you as you follow God's righteous design for our living. 
as we honor God in our families. Moving forward, though, I want to move forward to parents because I said I'm spending most of the time here today. We've had our fun. Now let's get down to business. Parents have the largest responsibility here. Your role in your children's lives is crucial to their physical, mental, and emotional, and spiritual development. And God has a right way for you to parent. There may only be one little verse here, but it has great implications for our kids' lives. Too many parents do not show grace to their children. And our kids need to see the grace, the mercy, the love of Christ through you. Our kids will fail. Our kids do fail. I've admitted already a lot of times up here how I failed. And I still fail. I'm sure you guys can think of how you failed. Maybe you can think about how your kids failed even this morning on the way to church. There's a big joke in the church world about how parents can be yelling at their kids on the way to church because everything seems to be going wrong. Little Johnny can't find his shoe. Little Johnny can't do this, can't do that. And then they walk in the church doors and, hey, how you doing? Oh, everything's great in my life. No, our kids fail. We fail. And it is great to show them the grace and love of God through us. Also, and this is a strong one. I've got an illustration to help understand it. Too many parents make the mistake of not realizing their importance in their children's lives until it's too late. Your kids need you in their lives. Here's an example to share with you for this. A man shared this story at a pastor's conference a few years ago while he was expounding, studying, preaching on Colossians 3, 18 to 21, which is also similar scripture. And, and it goes like this. It says, a well-known biblical scholar invited this man to lunch one time. And the man there told this scholar he was extremely inspired by his productivity as a thinker and a writer. And he went on to ask, I am amazed by your work. How did you manage to be so prolific? Now think of yourself right now. Think of yourself meeting with maybe a famous author or somebody famous who you just think, well, I just admire this guy's work and I wish I could just sit down with him over coffee sometime. Sit down with him for, for lunch as this guy and just ask him, how were you so successful? Well, listen to this answer. This theological heavyweight mumbled under his breath. I sacrificed my son. I was stunned by his words, he then said. He thought he misunderstood him. So he asked again, what did you say? The scholar replied almost angrily, you heard me. I said, I sacrificed my son. This man said, this scholar added that he had been so driven to research, to write, to publish, to make a name for himself in the academic world that he neglected his family. His son essentially grew up as a stranger to this father. And now as an adult, his son was a homeless man sleeping on the streets. This man having lunch with this prolific successful man tried to comfort him. Oh, no, no, I'm sure it's not your fault. I'm sure he knew you loved him. I'm sure that, that you did all you could. You're probably just being too hard on yourself. And even more angrily, this scholar replied, don't you try to console me. Yes, I did that. Even though people seemed to be amazed by my productivity as a scholar, the fact is I would give up every one of those books and far, far more just to have my son back. Then this prolific writer looked across the table straight into the eyes of this man and said, just in case you want to walk in my footsteps, know that I pray to God that you won't. 
You see, we have a very strong illustration here in front of us. Are we sacrificing our children to things of this world? Or are we valuing them and compassionately caring for them appropriately as God intends? Parents, we are told here, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction in the Lord. And I start with this. Number one is parents, we need to be part of our children's lives. We need to be part of our children's lives. I don't mean just physically. Sure, we're there. Every morning we walk in the door from work, every, every evening, and we do whatever, and then we sleep in the house. We're there. Great. Step one, check mark. Yes, you're there. But are you actively there? Are you actively involved? Are you really mentally and emotionally there? Are you spiritually there? Because we need to be there in our children's lives. Because as you just heard, it is indeed possible to be in your children's lives, but not really there. Are we sacrificing our children? Or are we showing that we properly value them and compassionately care for them as God intends? Something hit me as I was preparing for this sermon and as I was making the final notes. I want to share this with you because it really impacted me in my life. And I'm taking it one direction here. But we often load screen time limits on our, on our kids' devices. And yes, some of you are thinking, oh, that's terrible. All oh, your kids have devices. But yeah, that is the world we live in today. Our, a lot of our kids have, have tablets, they have cell phones, they, have, they watch TV, whatever. We load timers on that or we put limits or maybe it's even in our head. Johnny, I hope nobody in here is thinking, why does he keep picking on Johnny? My name's Johnny. But we put limits on their things but we don't put limits on our things. We need to put limits on our own things. And maybe that's Facebook, maybe it's social media, maybe it's the news, maybe it's watching the, the sports center when we get home from work, maybe it's TV. I love to watch shows and movies and such too. We need to put a timer on it, put a limit on it, and we need to go take a hike with our kids. We need to go out for a milkshake. We need to pass the ball. We need to go to the mall. I tried to put stuff there for no matter who you are. Pass the ball, go to the mall, go for a milkshake, take a hike for the kids. Here's the point. Find ways to have quality time with your kids. My question is this. What will your kids remember from their childhood about you? Will your kids remember you always saying no? Will they remember you always spending time in the trivial temporary satisfactions? Or will they remember you giving them time to what really matters? We're going to talk more about what really matters in point three, but first we have point two. Do not provoke. Do not provoke. And oh, ouch, again, this one hurts because anybody that knows me knows I love to provoke. Just yesterday, I was, we were walking around Hardee's after having, having dinner, and I kind of you know, gave my daughter a little push into the door. <laughs> some of you maybe laugh, or some of you maybe think, you did what? See, I love to provoke. We love to tickle our kids. We love to, to provoke them. Um, maybe I make myself sound like a terrible father to some of you, but as we're walking through maybe the mall with our kids, I give my kids one of those little, you know, taps on the foot to make them, you know, do one of them. Then they look back, Dad! Yesterday, I went to the Ramirez football game to see Saul, little Saul, play football, and Aver kind of bent over to get something out of his chair, and I gave him a little pop. But it was all in good fun. I hope you know that. But here's the problem. Sometimes even our provoking and good fun can be taken in a sense of anger. 
It can be frustrating. It can be discouraging. So I know that I need to watch how I provoke. I need to be mindful of my actions. And here we're told not to provoke to anger. What is our motivation behind our speech? What is our motivation behind our actions with our provoking? What is our heart? Maybe, maybe you think it doesn't matter. Maybe you think you're just having fun. And that's me. But we need to be careful that it truly is being received in the right way. Provoke to love. Provoke to build up, to edify, to encourage. Let me say that again. Provoke to build up, to edify, to encourage. Do not beat down, build up. You see, how we teach our children may be just as important as what we teach. We can teach our kids one of two ways. One, we can be negative, we can be screaming, we can be fussing at them all the time. We can just be taking care of the problems arise, or we can be helping to prevent the problems from arriving in the first place by number two. We can be positive, look for the good, not for the bad. Look for the right and not for the wrong. Try to build them up and not just tear them down. And in so doing, when you're saying, hey, Johnny, I'm sticking with that name today. Johnny, great job doing this. Do you see how much better your, your life turns out when you, when you do this instead of that? Proverbs 16, 21 says that the wise in heart shall be called prudent. And the sweetness of the lips increases learning. I love how that's put. You see, maybe you don't even know you're provoking to anger, though. So Pastor Tony Merida gives us some examples here, which maybe, maybe again, you, you're not realizing you're doing these things. <clears throat> and all of these are related to not provoking to anger, failing to take into account the fact that they are kids. I get, I, I do that sometimes. We, we think of our kids as older than what they are, mature, more mature than what they are. We compare them to others, discipling them inconsistently, failing to express approval. Even at the small accomplishments, it's important to express that, that approval. Failing to express our love to them. Disciplining them for reasons other than willful disobedience and defiance. Pressuring them to pursue our goals, not their own. Withdrawing love from them or overprotecting them. Some of these may seem minor, but we need to be mindful of our actions and words because they're watching, they're listening. Scripture commands a bringing up, not a tearing down. You see, we are always setting an example in some way, but what is that example? Even when you're not intending to set an example, you're setting an example, and our kids are learning from us. John Calvin once said, let them be fondly cherished. What powerful words, fondly cherished. Do our children feel fondly cherished? And I'm preaching to myself again. I am, I am just so convicted here. Number three, moving forward, disciple your children. As it says, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so many of us parents, we want to talk about that discipline part. And part of this is that, as we're talking about, not provoking them to anger. We need to be careful how we discipline. But we're not focusing on that right now. I want to focus on that disciple part. You see, moms, dads, we all are discipling our kids. We disciple our kids to be great at taking out the trash, doing laundry, washing the dishes. Well, maybe not great, 
but we're hoping they'll be great at it because it helps us. We disciple our kids with fishing, with hunting skills, with sewing skills, with cooking skills. We disciple our kids to understand sports. I started teaching, um, coaching my son's flag football team yesterday morning, and I realized how much I did not disciple my kids with sports because I've got to refresh my memory on how to do a lot of these things. But boy, it was fun to disciple the kids in that way. But here's the point. These are all great things. But how are you discipling your children in things that matter for eternity? How are we discipling our kids for things that matter for eternity? And this is where I want to say, again, we all have people to mentor in this way. Maybe you're thinking your kid's already grown. While I look across this room, I see faces of men and women who I highly love and respect. I think, good for you who just had lunch with your son last week. Good for you who just had lunch with somebody who's not even your family, but it's another family member whose father's not in the picture anymore. He's gone on to heaven, and yet you're there ministering to him. We need to disciple people in ways that matter for eternity. Don't make the mistake of being for them, there for them in every way but a spiritual way. Don't make the mistake of being there for them in every way but a spiritual way. Show them Jesus. Show them Jesus. Our children need us to step up, clean up the house, mend some fences, glue some things back together, use that duct tape, but don't just use the physical one, use the spiritual one. Ask God to help you in these things. I need to move forward as we work to, to wrap up here. And I've still got several pages of notes here. I'm just being honest. We need to teach children the right master over their lives. Who is the master over your life? Is it anybody, anything but God and his word and his ways? Well, then we need to correct our ways and we need to show them God's ways because we're commanded to bring them up Again, that's that being involved in their lives. You can't bring them up if you're not involved in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, I understand it doesn't say here in Ephesians 6, 1 to 4, parents, set an example for your children. But I think that already kind of comes natural. It's automatic. We should know this because we already know throughout this book study in Ephesians that it's telling us how are we to live as Christ followers? How are we to live as Christians? And it says to be imitators of God. It says that we can be confident that we are made anew. We're reconciled to God and one another. It says that we can be confident that we have been chosen, predestined, elected from the beginning of creation before the creation of the world. These are ways that we set examples, though, not just for the world, but for our children. And we need to make sure that we're showing our kids all of this because they are watching. Colossians 3.20 tells us, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. But let me tell you, our children are to learn how to obey by seeing how we obey our Heavenly Father. Do our children see us obeying God in the littlest things? Because they're watching those things too. They're learning from us. They're learning from you. And no matter how old your kids are, you can still disciple them in these ways. Even if you don't have, have kids to disciple, there are kids in the community, in this church, in this world who need your help. And then finally, we again see it is right. I come back to that. Just as it is right for the kids to do these things, it is right 
for us to do these things. It is right for children and adults alike to obey the Lord, whether they're a Christian or a non-Christian, whether they go to church or don't go to church, whether they believe in God or don't believe in God. There's one right way to live. And that's what we need to live by. That right way is God's way. Now, some of you might think, and I hope not, I don't think anybody in here, but maybe somebody on that screen, on that live stream, some of you might think, no problem, pastor. My kids are going to youth group. They're going coached by Christ. They're going to Sunday school. They're going to vacation Bible school. I'm sending them to Arrowhead Bible camp just this weekend. Great. That's great news. We, need, we should do those things. But don't let that take the place of you because the responsibility ultimately comes down to you. And your kids need to watch and see you. What are you personally doing at home with your kids? Finally, I have one final take-home challenge, an idea or point. We cannot teach what we do not know and do. Simple statement, but a powerful statement. We cannot teach what we do not know and do. What are we doing to know God's ways, to know God's words more? How are we obeying them? How are we humbly submitting to them, loving him, loving his people? This morning, I want to invite all of us, each, of, each and every single one of us, to come to Christ. The world has a joking statement where they say to have a come to Jesus moment. But I think we all need a come to Jesus moment. We all need to come to him by faith. Trust in him as Lord and Savior. I hope you've done this. If you haven't done it, do it today. But we also need to every single day commit ourselves to him. Not just our lives personally, but we need to commit ourselves to him, recommit ourselves to him every single day as children of his, brothers and sisters in Christ in his church, and parents who are going to raise our kids, discipling them in the name of the Lord and his ways, his instruction. Come to him in action. Study his word, pray, worship, serve, teach your children these things. Be imitators of God and his ways, his word. Are you doing great at these things? Then again, help somebody else. Start up a small group in your homes and just ask other parents, hey, anybody want to get together and just talk about what we've been doing good to disciple our kids in the ways of the Lord? Anybody want to work through these problems with us? Because again, we all fail. And that's my final takeaway for you, my final encouragement. We all fail as parents at times. We all fail at, at being kids too. Children of God, children of one another, of our parents, earthly parents. This does not make us bad parents. It simply means we need grace. So do not hide your need for grace, for that is part of the teaching experience too. Kids need to know that people fall in their obedience, but there is one who did not fall. He stood in our place and gives us forgiveness, empowerment. They need to know what we've learned in Ephesians 1 to 3 in Christ, that we are accepted, forgiven, redeemed, and made alive. Don't just show our kids bitterness. Don't just show our kids anger. Don't just show our kids how we hold on to grudges. Show them acceptance, forgiveness, redemption, and new life. <clears throat> we encourage you, once one final point with that. Do your kids know your, con your conversion story? Do they know your testimony? Do they know how you came to know the Lord? Maybe that's a challenge for you today to talk about around the lunch table. Just show them, tell them how you came to know Jesus. Ask them if they'd like to do the same. 
Let's close in prayer. And we have one final short song. Lord God, we just thank you that we are not alone in this world. We thank you for you are involved in our lives, Lord. From the moment of salvation, you give us a helper. You give us the Holy Spirit, which helps us to understand, to be convicted, to be protected, to be empowered, to have gifts. Lord, I can go on, but Lord, we thank you for your word, which has given us some convictions today, but also maybe some encouragements. I thank you that we have a lot of parents in this room who have done well. And I just pray for these parents who have done well or who are doing well to find somebody to help. We all need to help one another. And kids, Lord, I pray for the kids. I pray for the kids, whether they're in this room or not, whether in the, in the schools, whether they're in the workplace, wherever they are, Lord, we pray for them to seek you out and live righteously according to your ways. It's in your holy and powerful name. All God's people prayed and said, amen. Please stand and let's close in this final song. What a great answer, what great words to leave with. But as you leave, I also want to remind you that next Sunday after the church service, we have a short quarterly business meeting. And then we'll have a luncheon, bring some food to share at Norris Park with a beanbag cornhole tournament. Just good fellowship hanging out. All are invited, whether you're playing or not. But there is a sign-up sheet out in the lobby. Thank you. God bless you.